0: Hey, podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for the All Saints Lutheran Sermon Series of Podcasts. We're so delighted that you've landed on this page, and we ask that you contextualize yourself by reading the descriptor. Enjoy, and let us know what you think. The Gospel today is according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, beginning at the 14th verse. And it's so long, so have a seat. (laughs) Indicating that it is not sufficient merely to maintain things as they are. Those who await his return should make good use of the gifts that God has provided them. Jesus said to the disciples, For it is if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to him. So he gave five talents to one, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled the with them. The one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master." And this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Woo! (laughs) Don't you just love texts that end with, you'll be thrown into darkness while there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It brings up so much if-then language, doesn't it? That if-then... if then language and concern about what Jesus is getting—that I don't know about you—but it leaves me absolutely stupefied. Why on earth would you tell that particular parable to that particular group of people at that particular time? And maybe did somebody just write it down wrong? <laughs> at least that's what I feel when I read parables that are very if thenish. Uh, that's kind of a new word, isn't it? If thenish. <laughs> Can I say that,
1: Dr. Ersterman?
0: Why not? With that? <laughs> okay, so last week we had a doozy of one, two, right? Parables that weigh the wise versus the foolish, or the money savvy versus the fear of the scoundrel, and perhaps even the corrupt master. And it feels like Jesus is kind of setting us up for feeling. But is that what is really going on here? Because there is something about time that may shift our thinking around this text. Last week, we didn't know when the bridegroom would arrive. This week, we hear that time for the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a theme here, is a thief, a pregnant person, and people who have to stay alert all night. Time here is not this linear chronological map of a calendar. Time here is actually, and weirdly, personified. Meaning, what if we understood time is relative, as in time is like a person? The day of the Lord is the presence of God in all time. Are you with me still? Or did your minds just go, What? <laughs> The day of the Lord is the presence of God in all time. This sets up the epistle texts closing Revelation beautifully, especially in the message version. God didn't set us up for an angry rejection, but set us up for salvation by our master Jesus Christ. He died for us, a death that activated us. Whether we're awake with the living or asleep with the dead, we are alive with Christ. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you'll be all together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. The day of the Lord is not just a metaphorical person. It is literally a person. The day of the Lord is the day in which we obtain salvation, which was already through Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord and the time it fills or arrives around is not a day, a season of wrath, or a time. Instead, it is a person, Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for us. Regardless of when we sleep, regardless of whether we've ever labored with a child, regardless of what we've taken or had taken from us, Jesus brought us through our day of reckoning and into salvation through the cross. Amen? Amen. The idea that Jesus' is time personified at the day of the Lord incarnate reminds me of a sermon that I heard a long time ago. Op ed columnist Michael Gerson preached at the National Cathedral, and his sermon had absolutely nothing to do with time, but it did contain the following line, which has always stuck with me as summarizing what makes Christianity unique and special. And I quote At the end of all of our striving and longing, we find Not a force, but a face. Not a force, but a face. This is God's view of time, of the day of the Lord. We're not destined for wrath, but rather for salvation. We need not fear the weight nor mourn the quick passage. Time is not a sneaky scoundrel, after all, nor a line or a march or a flow or a force. It is the face of Jesus. I like that concept. And I'm wondering if we can take it one step further. How might time be less of a commodity and more of a means of relationship with God? others around us. I mean, as human beings, maybe it's just me, but I'm guessing this might be true for all of us, we love to measure things. How much we have, how we can get more, or whatever, but what if we thought about time not only as the face of Jesus, but as the reflection of the face of Jesus in each other? How would we treat one another if we realized that we were actually talking to the Jesus Christ that lives and dwells within each and every one of us? I know. If it is true that God is beside us and ahead of us and behind us and within us, then isn't it also true that when we look at one another... God is actually looking back at us? Is that true? Which is why Paul is so adamant about focusing on building each other up, not tearing each other down. The more time we spend building each other up, the more we will realize that time is relative because time is our relative. It is the face of Jesus in every single person that we meet. Time is not only relative, it is our relatives, namely all of us, saints, sinners, siblings, and that person who's coming to Thanksgiving dinner who carries all that weird drama. (laughs) See, you know immediately who I'm talking about. Jesus and the person that you like the least? What if you strove to make amends with those you detest? What if you were simply kind Maybe the person that brings the drama to the Thanksgiving dinner is actually doing the very best that they can be doing at that moment in time because they're all super anxious about the fact that they're going to be judged prior to their arrival. What if we just listened and got curious and wondered alongside them? What if we saw the Christ light? in each other, in the person at the till as we buy our birds or ham, in the people that open the door for us or that ring the bell. Is it possible that this is a huge movement towards peace and reconciliation? If we were to truly see the Christ light, the God light that lives and dwells in every single person that we talk to, then things would change for the better, right? So let's pass the peace. And know that we're forgiven as far as the East is from the West. Let's leave this sacred space and recognize that all people are actually sacred and it has nothing to do with space. Because all people are sacred, just like you and just like me. So speak encouraging words to each other. Build each other up. And let it, let me know how it goes, especially after Thanksgiving. There need not be any weeping or gnashing of teeth. (laughs) Although there might be. (laughs) There could be a lot less judgment and a lot more gratitude and a dollop of grace heaped upon each other's heads like real whipped cream on a sumptuous pie. Grace, grace, grace. Repeat, repeat, repeat. And this good news, we can all say, Thanks be to God. Amen.